0: Please turn with me to your study outlines. And as you're turning, let me welcome those of you that are joining us online. And also, uh, we want to welcome Purpose Church in Rancho Cucamonga, and also our friends at The Hangar in Montana, and also our friends at First Baptist Church in Arco, Idaho, as they join us uh, for this study here today. And we want to thank them particularly, because they have a tradition in Idaho. Any of you Lutheran background? Any of you Lutheran? Let me see your background. Any of you from Idaho? Anybody ever live in Idaho? Well, they have this thing among the Lutherans, and particularly I've heard among many churches, different churches, Pastor Randy was a pastor of a Baptist church in Idaho, of something called a Chrismon. How many of you? Anybody familiar with a mon? Okay, well, these are, Christian de- these are Christmas decorations with Christian symbols uh, behind them. So they sent us, they made them just for our church, sent them to us, and they were on the Christmas tree on display in the administration building. And here's a picture with us and some of the pastors there. And so let's thank our uh, brothers and sisters at Arco, Idaho. Let's let them know we thank them. And we appreciate them. We are so uh, grateful for them. Now, I also want to thank you. So blessed to, to be your pastor. The way when you uh, receive a challenge, you rise up and, and grab it by the throat and just take advantage of it. Boy, I'm appreciative. And last weekend, I just want to thank you for attending, for volunteering, for serving, for giving, for praying, for inviting. God used you in just a phenomenal uh, way at our big Christmas outreach uh, last weekend. Had a grand total attendance if you include everything together, the services and, and performances that come celebrate Christmas and journey to Bethlehem. If you add it all together of about 13,000 people, represents about 7,000 different people. We had a record for our website last, um, hits on our website last Sunday of over 2,700. But by far the most important number is that there were 245 people who made decisions for Jesus Christ, and this is this is what this is what uh, it is all about. Uh, now, as you look at your study outline, you'll see that it's a little unusual to just the Sunday before Christmas to start a Christmas series. But I'm going to do a little two-part, it's actually going to be a three-part series that I'm starting today. I will do part two next Sunday morning, and then part three next Sunday night at The Hub. Tonight at The Hub, we're finishing up our Advent series with the Advent Word of Love, and I'll be teaching on that uh, tonight. And then next Sunday morning, the 27th, we're going to keep the Christmas theme going uh, because it's just a couple of days after Christmas, and I'll do part two of this series, and then part three we'll finish up at The Hub that night. But the title of the series is more than just Christmas carols. And what I've done is chosen three of our favorite Christmas carols and uh, looked behind the scenes at the historical background for them, which I think you'll find interesting as I did, the biblical basis for them, the theological teaching that we find within them. The Christmas carols are not just nice songs, but they're meant to teach doctrine. They're meant to teach theology. They're meant to teach biblical principles and there's an interesting history as to how uh, they came about. And so the first one that we're going to deal with is O Come O Come Emmanuel. How many of you that's one of your five favorites? Did, did any of you here? And I know it won't be a big number because as I'll explain in a few minutes, it's actually one of the downer uh, Christmas carols, okay? It's a little bit the dirge amidst amidst all the happy ones. This is the one that's a little bit more uh, slow and 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 contemplative. And it's interesting that O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is the first, it's the oldest Christmas carol. So this is the first Christmas carol we find in church history. It was written before 800 A.D. Uh, The king at that time was Charlemagne. He was the ruler of the West of the uh, Holy Roman Empire. Life expectancy for men at this time was 29 years of age. If you were 30 years old, you would be an old man by those standards back then. You'd be above average in age. Average age lifespan was 29 years. The entire population of the world was about the population of the population of the United States right now. So what the population of our country is right now, that was the population in the world at that time. It was a very dark place, and it was called the Dark Ages uh, because of that. Now, in the midst of of this, uh, what we call the Dark Ages, of that Middle Ages period there, we have written our oldest Christmas hymn. This hymn was written, this Christmas carol, was written 600 years before Columbus. Now, the name of the author is unknown. We don't know who he was, but we do know certain things about him. He was a priest or a monk. He was a scholar who knew the Old Testament and New Testament very well. The words at first were probably chanted. And they spread quickly and were used throughout the world at that time among Christians. But they were only used one week out of the year in churches and monasteries. And it would only be sung the week before Christmas. So the week we're in right now is when they would sing. In antiquity, they would sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Originally, it had seven verses, and there was one verse that would be sung each day leading up in the last seven days, leading up to Christmas. So it was very similar to our 12 days of Christmas song. You know, on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. And uh, by the way, here's just a little factoid. It has nothing to do with the message. But just if you want to impress family uh, over the Christmas table this year, can anybody here tell me, here's trivia time, okay, Jeopardy time right now. Uh, how many, if you add up all the gifts, and remember they repeat each other over and over again as you go one, two, three, four, and then you repeat them all. How many total gifts would you give your true love if you did all the twelve days? Anybody shout it out? I think I heard 364, 364, one for almost one, one shy of one for every day of the year. Aren't you glad you came to church right now? You can impress people at work tomorrow, 364 for the 12 days of Christmas. Now, eventually, Come, Come, Emmanuel fell into disuse, and we probably wouldn't even know about it, except a thousand years later, there was a man by the name of Jason, John Mason Neal, we'll put his picture up there. Uh, John Mason Neal is the one that revived it uh, in the uh, early uh, 1800s. Uh, He revived this. He was an Anglican priest. He was a brilliant man who could write and speak 20 different languages. But church leaders thought he was too on fire for Jesus. He was too evangelistic. He was too evangelical. So rather than give him a big church to pastor, they sent him out to the boonies. Uh, to what was called the Madeira Islands off the northwest coast of Africa. You'll see it there off the coast of Portugal or off the coast of Morocco. Now, he had terrible health, and he died when he was 48 years old. He had a terrible salary. He lived on $1,400 uh, a year. But he didn't spend his time complaining about his lot in life, like, oh, my health is so bad. Oh, my, I don't have much money. I got banished here to the boonies, you know, because they didn't like me because I was too on fire for reaching people for Jesus. He decided to take the hand that was dealt to him and and just use it for the cause of Christ. And so while on the Madeira Islands, he establishes an orphanage. He builds a school for girls. He built a house of refuge for prostitutes. Uh, those of you that are involved with Pastor Tomiko in our, um, uh, in our human trafficking ministry here at our church, um, this one, uh, I was going to say Traffic-Free Pomona, but I can't remember. What's the name of the new, the new name now? Is Tomiko here? I hope not. What is it now? Everyone free. Thank you, Tomiko. Nothing like forgetting the name of your ministry when you're sitting on the second row. That's really encouraging. Um, and so if you are part of that ministry, this is this is the forerunner to Pastor Tomiko. And he was one of the first uh, official anti-human trafficking warriors of that time. Now, he loved and he studied the scriptures. And during his studies, he comes across this old Latin chant, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. He translates the words into English, and he started to reintroduce the song into the churches once again, and it became very, very popular once again. Now, like I said before, this song is very different from other Christmas songs. It is, frankly, a downer. I mean, joy to the world, happy. Silent night, peaceful. Hark the herald angels sing, triumphant. But O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is this desperate prayer for God to show up in my life. It's a desperate prayer for a nation. Oh, God, come and change our nation. It's a desperate prayer for our world. Oh, God, with all that's going on, would you come? It's a desperate prayer for whatever's going on in your life. If you're going through a hard time this Christmas, this is the the song for you. It's a cry for Jesus to come, for Jesus to come back. How many think that's a really good song for today? A cry of our heart. O come, O come, Emmanuel. It's sung in the minor key. It's like a dirge or a lament. It's this cry of, uh, desperate cry uh, for help. And it reminds me of one of the figures uh, from the Christmas story after the birth of Jesus named Simeon. It says in Luke 2, verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What that means is he was waiting for the Messiah to come and to rescue the nation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required. Just like these parents that were just up here dedicating their children. Well, that's what Mary and Joseph were doing. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I mean, what if when these babies came up here during the child dedication, it was revealed to me that Jesus would return uh, during their lifetime? You guys would get pretty excited about that, wouldn't you? And they take the baby in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Now I can die in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Now this song is asking God to do five things. Number one, it asks God to show up. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Emmanuel is mentioned three times in the Bible, this word Emmanuel, twice in the the prophet Isaiah and once when it's fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1. In 700 BC, 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah writes these words. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And then it's fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Boy, Phil Yancey, this really convicted me. When I am tempted to complain about God's lack of presence, I remind myself that God has much more reason to complain about my lack of presence. Wow. Wow. Do we pursue God every day alone with him in his word? Maybe that should be a new habit during 2016. Do we, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here because here you guys are, many of you saying you still have things to be done before Christmas and yet here you are pursuing the presence of God. Do we pursue his presence on a moment-by-moment basis? Number two, it asks God to free us from Satan's grip. Um, you can turn your page in your study outline. O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory o'er the grave. Hebrews 2, verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Acts chapter 10. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good, and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. First John 3, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's sin remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. And Jesus himself replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. There's a part of the Christmas story we don't think of, do we? that that baby in the manger in Bethlehem and Satan falling like lightning from heaven. Uh, In the Lord's Prayer, we're commanded to pray regularly and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We're to regularly pray by the authority, by the power of the Christ child, Jesus, break the hold of Satan in my life and give me victory over temptation on a day-by-day basis. As a matter of fact, um, let's just pray Uh, The Lord's Prayer out loud together. We have uh, the version that our church uh, uses here. Let's pray this uh, together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. And the power and the glory forever. And all God's family said, amen. Number three, it asked God to cheer us up. Oh, come, O oh day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. And drive away the shades of night and pierce the clouds and bring us light. Day spring means the sunrise. And the Bible says that Jesus is the sunrise. You know, they say it's darkest right before the dawn. And maybe right now you're going through a dark time in your life, and it's darkest uh, right before the dawn. And so we pray, oh, day spring. Maybe that's what you want to pray today. Call Jesus. Here's a new name for him. Day spring. He's the rising sun. Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. John 8. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And we carry that light. He's that light, and when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we carry that light wherever we go this week, at work or at school, wherever we go, we carry that light with us. Here's a little bit of a a mean statement, but it's true, I think. William Arthur Ward writes Every person has the power to make others happy. One does it simply by entering a room, another by leaving the room. (laughs) Psalm 16, verse 11. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Number four, it asks God to open the gates of heaven. Oh, come, thou key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the the path to misery. Paul writes, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. How many of you would love to see the second coming of Jesus? I tell you, we're waiting for it, and so we sing, "Oh come, O come, Emmanuel, We are crying out uh, with Christians that have prayed this, or sung this, or chanted this for 1,200 years. Oh come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and rescue, ransom Israel, the body of Christ, the New Israel. Oh, ransom Israel." It asks God to give us wisdom. Now, the words that I've been using are different. They're from the ancient text. Uh, the ones we sing have been made a little bit more contemporary, uh, particularly verse 5. O come, O come, thou wisdom from on high, who in thy glorious majesty... From Sinai's mountain, that is from Mount Sinai, Moses on Mount Sinai, bringing down the Ten Commandments and, and bringing down the law of God. From Sinai's mountain, clothes in awe, gavest thy folk the elder law. So it's referring to when we needed wisdom, God gave it to Moses on Mount Sinai and he brought it down Mount Sinai and gave it to his people. And think about what's an area in your life where you need wisdom uh, this morning. Uh, think about that. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Uh, James continues in chapter 3, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere.